2: And it goes to Corey Davis.
3: Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Jones had just caught flat footed. What an
2: excellent, excellent round. Bill hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and it's the QA. Oh my gosh! Listen. Thank you.
4: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time for a final pre-draft film review show. And so, to break down a couple of the final prospects that we haven't done yet before the draft, we bring in our friend who is the Thunder from down under, breaking down the film on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, Mr. Luke Grant. Luke, what's up, brother?
0: Scott, I am okay because I can see the finish line. I love the draft. I love the process. I like watching college film, but I'm ready for uh, for Thursday night, your time to get here. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped.
4: I'm with you on that. I've had enough of the talking. I'm ready for players to actually get drafted. And there are three players specifically that we're going to talk about today because we haven't gotten to them yet. And we did shows on them in other capacities. If you go back, Eric Edholm from Yahoo came on the show to break down his profile of Akwanu, the offensive tackle from NC State. And Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch was on the show to talk about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And so now Luke is on the show to break down the film of those three. And we may as well start with the two wide receivers, Luke. Two for one here, because you've got both of them most likely going to go in the first round. Different types of receivers, Alave and Wilson, and we'll get into the similarities and differences here. But first... I want to ask about the route running. Now, from what I can tell, Alave is the better route runner. People talk about how Wilson is a great route runner, but you and I have discussed this before. I think they're confusing getting great releases with being a great route runner. Garrett Wilson gets great releases, but sometimes he can be sloppy with his footwork, a little inconsistent with his routes. Alave, I think, runs crisper routes, and we'll get to yards after the catch because then it flips a little bit between these two. But talk to me about the route running.
0: Yeah, I think starting with Chris Alave, I think he's very smooth. You can really see it in the red zone. I think it jumps out because that's the most difficult place to separate on the field. Short spaces, you have to win with either jump ball ability like a Drake London, or you have to be extremely good in short spaces, have very fluid hips, be very methodical with your footwork and be a crisp route runner. And that's Chris Alave. There are some excellent examples of him winning in short spaces. The intermediate route running is very good. But I think when you look at a lot you also have to look at the deep stuff, deep route running on post deep sevens, which are those kind of deeper corner routes. They've been a strength of his route running tree throughout his time at OSU. It's a feature of that kind of air raid style offense. So all in all, I think he is definitely the better of the two route runners ability to sink his hips, to flip, to change direction on a dime. I think it's very, very impressive. When you look at Garrett Wilson, I think you hit the nail on the head, Scott. Fantastic releases. His bag at the line of scrimmage and ability to beat press is very good. His quickness, initial quickness, some acceleration, his twitch, it's fantastic. And he separates super quickly. But there's some sloppiness and some issues with his feet and with some balance coming out of breaks at the stem. And I think he has a tendency overall, and this is my biggest knock on Garrett Wilson, he has a tendency to hand back some of the separation, that hard-earned space he gets through his release in the route. And you're right, people think, but he's a great route runner because he separates quickly. But I think all in all, he's an inconsistent route runner who has some ability to do it at a high level, but then you get some really poor breaks and he has some balance issues. And that's why I think overall Olave is better in that capacity. So all in all, yeah, I'd say Olave definitely gets the one up on Wilson when it comes to route running and and being smooth in and out of breaks.
4: On the other hand, when it comes to forcing missed tackles and getting yards after the catch, I'd say it's reverse, that Wilson is the superior player. The stats bear it out if you look at the number of missed tackles, but also when you watch the film, it really stands out how much better Wilson is after the catch than Alave. Alave, as you said, smooth route runner, but not going to offer you a whole lot after the catch. Wilson, sloppier as a route runner, gets the great releases, as you mentioned, but does a really good job after the catch. One of the better receivers in this draft in that regard. So talk to me a little bit about the yak ability of both of these two.
0: The Alave thing is super strange, right? Because you've got a guy who ran in the high four threes. He was terrific in that capacity, did an awesome job um, at the combine. He's a good route runner. We talked about his twitch and his flip of his hips, but he just can't break tackles throughout his entire college career. And he's a senior. At OSU, he broke eight tackles. He forced one missed tackle in 2021. It's just not his game. The reason for that is re-acceleration. When we talked about Jamison Williams a couple of weeks ago, the reason that he's able to win on deep routes so often and he's great with his yards after catch is the ability to accelerate, to break it down, and then to re-accelerate extremely quickly and go from zero to 100 like a sports car. That's what Chris Alave is lacking in my opinion and why he doesn't have that ability. He also isn't going to have the hip strength to break tackles like a Drake London. So overall, he is definitely lacking in that capacity. Flip it over to Garrett Wilson. I think overall, he's a good yards-after-catch guy. Look, I'm going to sound pretty negative on Garrett Wilson in this uh, podcast, Scott, and it's mostly because I'm thinking about the Jets taking him at 10 and I still don't think there's enough elite yards after catchability that make me go, yeah, I need to have Garrett Wilson at number 10. I think he has good change of direction and lateral quickness. I think he has fairly good reacceleration, but again, I don't think anything's elite. So I think he's a huge step up on Chris Alave, but I don't think he's Jamison Williams. I don't think he's going to be Cooper Cup or, you know, one of those guys who dominates after the catch and with his route running. I think he's a tier below. So Overall, I think he's definitely better than Alave, but I still don't put him in that elite category. So that's kind of where I'm at on, uh, on Wilson and Alave with their yards after the catch ability.
4: What do Wilson and Alave offer in terms of ability to be red zone threats and win 50-50 balls? Is that something either one of them can do?
0: Look, we saw a few more examples of Garrett Wilson winning 50-50 balls in 2021. I actually put it down as a weakness of him watching Fields tape the year prior to that, but he definitely got better. His hands in contested catch situations improved, had a really nice catch along the boundary against Michigan that stands out from kind of the early red zone just outside the 20 yards, in the corner of the end zone, up at the pylon, high point of the football, moss the uh, defensive back. It was a fantastic example. I talked about Alave. He wins the opposite way with that uh, crispness of his routes, with the ability to get open in short spaces, to lean a body on the defender and then flip the other way and turn back to the pylon and make almost an uncontested catch because he's so good in those short spaces. So they both have the ability to be very good in the red zone, but neither of them are guys I look at and go, they're a red zone dominator. They're someone like what you could assume Drake London might be. Um, They're kind of on either end of the spectrum they're good at a certain aspect that can help you win in the red zone but again i don't think they're elite. I mean, that kind of sums up these guys and the receiving class as a whole because both these receivers from osu scott you're right they're going to go in the first round most likely anyway i would feel much more comfortable taking them in the late teens to early 20s than i would at number 10. that's my overarching thought and it's because of what i've said so far already there's a lot of good and there's not much elite and that's kind of where i'm at on the two of them but yeah going back to your question both can definitely do a job in the red zone. Both can be that five to seven touchdown a season guy. They have different skill sets, but overall, neither are overwhelmingly great.
4: How about blocking? What do they offer there?
0: Similar to most of the class. They're, they're willing blockers. There's effort. There's intensity. But for the most part, they don't really they don't want a part of it. You know, they're... There were times on tape where I was disappointed with Garrett Wilson and thought, I wish he put his nose into that block a little harder. But then as I watched more tape, I've got to give him some credit. I actually thought he was more willing as a blocker than first anticipated. Um, But again, overall, it's not something they're going to hang their hat on in the NFL. It's not something they're going to bring to an offense that's going to take that group to the next level. They're just both going to be okay. They're smaller bodies. Six foot, six foot one, 187 pounds. That's kind of what you're looking at for both Alave and Wilson. Neither of them really stood out to me on tape. Neither of them are going to be, um, you know, known as blockers in the NFL. This offense was primarily air raid, vertical routes, option routes for the receivers, and then some perimeter running, get out there, try and get a hat on a hat to a corner and try and just kind of hold him up for long enough for the uh, for the running back to make someone miss and get to the second level. So, Overall, I think, it's, look, it's going to be a bit of a wash for them in the NFL, and I wouldn't have too high
4: expectations in that area. How do these two compare to the other receivers in this class?
0: I think Garrett Wilson is wide receiver three for me. I have uh, Jameson Williams as number one, and it's pretty clear to me now. The rest are very smushed together. I still have Trelon Burks as wide receiver two, and I, I'm pretty aware that he's not going to be the second receiver off the board. I think there's a chance he could even fall towards the late 20s, just because he's got a unique skill set you have to fit him into an offense but I still like Burks and his high ceiling potential and some of the game-breaking abilities he has of an AJ Brown even of a a bigger slightly slower Debo Samuel he just has some of that about his game then after that I think it's Wilson I think Wilson is slightly above London but then I think I've got even a guy like Christian Watson above Chris Alave and that's not saying Alave is a bad prospect he's just someone I would take late 20s early 30s if he's there at 35 or 38 which i don't think he will be but if he is and the jets haven't gone receiver at four or ten they haven't traded for debo samuel 100 i'm going and i'm taking chris alave there i think he can fit in this offense even though he's not great after the catch he can be that guy that can stretch the field vertically that can be a possession receiver and he can get a good volume of targets but yeah in saying that i guess probably wide receiver three and wide receiver five or six is kind of where i'd see them stack up for the rest of the class
4: Do you think Garrett Wilson is a better fit for the offense than Alave? You just mentioned that you think Alave would be okay in the offense. Not ideal, but Garrett Wilson, some people have said, would be a really good fit for what the Jets like to do and for what Zach Wilson likes to do. Do you see it that way?
0: Yes and no. I mean, I think he's probably a slightly better fit than Alave because of the yards after catchability. But at the same time, I've already said, I don't think he's elite there either. He's not as good as a route runner. And you can take that one of two ways, Debo Samuel, um, Brandon Ayuk. They aren't probably elite route runners. So that's not something necessarily this offense, you know, craves, but they do like, you know, West Coast system, structured routes, timing, all those kind of things are important. But you'll also get a mix of play action and deep shots and sevens and posts and that kind of thing that both of them do very well. Something I didn't mention about Garrett Wilson, he's a very good double uh, double move route runner on the deep ball and the vertical passing game. Excellent at selling his double moves. Uh, his ability to explode out of his breaks and then take the top off the defense is very good. So, I mean, both of these guys fit to some extent. I would lean Wilson as a better fit. But if you told me you can take Wilson at 10 or you can take larvae at 35, again, probably unrealistic, I would definitely take Alave, even though he's not quite the fit. I think the value is much better. And I think at the end of the day, when neither of them are the elite talent, that's what I lean towards is always value and, uh, and definitely not reaching for a wide receiver in this class because I just don't love it.
4: Anything else about these two that you think is worth mentioning that we haven't touched on yet?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'd just give a couple of, of player comps, I guess. I think looking at Chris Alave, kind of two names I thought came to mind, and I'm not saying he's going to be this caliber of player. Again, this is stylistically. The first one is Tyler Lockett. Lockett, that five, 11, six-foot type receiver who plays on the outside, but he's mostly a vertical threat. You don't see him getting a high volume underneath and lots of slants and drags and mesh concepts. He's going to try and take the top off, and even though he's not a true burner, he's very, very nuanced running the ball down the field on posts and these type of things. The other guy would be Brandon Cooks, and this is an iffy one because... I watched a lot of Houston tape just to kind of back it up from last year. I and mean, when Tyrod Taylor was in the game, there were a lot of vertical shots to Brandon Cooks. Now Cooks is better after the catch. Cooks is probably tougher over the middle than Alave. He can get a little bit, you know, uh, hesitant over the middle and have some drops in there. But I think if you look at the ability to get 15 or 16 yards per catch, I think that's the kind of player that Alave could be rather than a hundred target type guy. And then flipping over to to Garrett Wilson, a lot of people, as I said, they say Cooper Cup or uh, Adam Thielen or, you know, one of these elite route runners. I just don't think he's that guy. T.Y. Hilton Hilton was a guy that I thought was a pretty good comp. When he was in Indy, the ability to win deep, to win on double moves, you can play him inside and out, very similar frame. So I think that's kind of a, a stylistic idea of who these guys are as players if you're looking for a pro comparison.
2: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
3: Ch-ch-chumba.
2: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play
4: like a jet. Luke, let's talk offensive line now and discuss Ikema Kwanu, who has been A very interesting topic among Jets fans for a variety of reasons. Obviously, the offensive line is widely considered to be the strongest position group that the Jets have, especially after they went out and signed Lake and Tomlinson to play guard. There was a thought at one point that the Jets could draft Aquanu, play him at guard, and then shift him to tackle after the 2022 season when George Fant becomes a free agent. Now there's no spot to play him at guard, so if the Jets were to draft him odds are he ends up starting and then you have a whole situation where you've got whether it's Fant or Becton most likely Fant who's the odd man out and so you have to ask the question is it worth drafting somebody for a position where you already have a pretty good player let's talk about Iquanu though and discuss why it might or might not be in the Jets best interest to consider him at number four let's start with the run blocking he is a mauler when Makai Becton came out of Louisville A lot of what you heard was phenomenal run blocker, work in progress as a pass blocker. Now, I think Aquanu is arguably a more polished pass blocker than Becton was coming out of Louisville, but I'm not sure that he's quite as dominant a run blocker as Becton was coming out of Louisville. It would have been tough to be as dominant as Becton was. Talk about what Aquanu can do in the run game.
0: I'm pretty sure you're reading my notes, Scott, because everything you just said kind of that encapsulates how I think of ikem McWhorne as a player. I said on my notes, the definition of a mauler in the running game, he's a genuine finisher, plays to the whistle, pushes the limits of legal physicality. He loves throwing people on the ground in the run game. If there's a whistle and you think, all right, play's over, there's a good chance that ikem McWhorne is still going to throw his guy the, over the sideline, on the floor, or pancake him. He craves physicality. He loves to finish. They're the tendencies that Joe Douglas, John Benton, and this whole group absolutely love in an offensive lineman. This offense, more than most, starts with the running game. Wide zone. We've heard all about it for the last two years since Robert Sala took over 18 months ago. You hear about uh, some of the concepts that he likes to run, what John Benton likes in offensive linemen. Well, what else does Ike McConaughey do so well? He is fantastic in space for a 320, 330-pound athlete. You want to talk about the front side of play, so the play side when they're running towards his left-hand side of the line of scrimmage. He's incredible. Pin-pull concepts, so what you get in those, you get wide receivers cracking down and blocking in towards the defensive end, and then you see the tackle looping out in space. He is just fantastic out in space, leading on those blocks, getting to safeties, getting to linebackers, Excellent at slowing down his feet, hitting his target. That's one of the best features of Ike McQuornu's game, especially in the running game. And then also on the front side of outside zone running plays, he's excellent at navigating through traffic, at finding reach blocks, combos, all of those things that you need to be successful in this Mike LaFleur scheme. They are the strength of Ike McQuornu. And I think if you're looking at a guy who would be a perfect fit, again, I said in my notes, similar to Beckton as a prospect, I think he's exactly what the Jets want the bigger discussion to have, and I'm sure we'll touch on it is, is it a need? Are you improving enough? Is it the right decision for the Jets organization? But if you take that aside and just look at Ike McCornu as a player, Ike McCornu in a vacuum as a run blocker, he's phenomenal. And the Jets should definitely consider him. But there's a lot more to it than that.
4: Luke, I think as a pass blocker, Quanu is better than people give him credit for. I thought he improved quite a bit this past season, but he's still very much a work in progress. Explain where he's at as a pass blocker and where you expect him to potentially get to as a pro. Yeah, I think
0: improvement's definitely the key word. I think I watched a couple of games from 2020 when I was waiting on some Ikem film, and I was a little worried about the movement skills, the ability to explode out of his stance, how far he was traveling his first two steps. He improved tenfold uh, in his uh, junior season. And I thought he was fantastic. and well, not fantastic, but much improved and definitely looked like a competent uh, NFL pass uh, pass sets throughout his time there at NC State. So the thing that stands out f- first and foremost for Ikem in the passing game, in my opinion anyway, are his hands and his hand usage. There are two things that I categorized about them. The first thing in pass protection is the patience and the power of his punch. There's not many times in pass protection that you see Ike McQuander out in front, lunging off balance, shooting his hands early. He's very patient. There were some excellent reps against Clemson where he sat back, waited, didn't overpunch, didn't go early, and then utilized his hands at the right time. And then the second facet with his hand usage is his ability to clamp and control the chest. He has the best grip strength, hand strength, clamp ability in the 2022 class out of all the offensive linemen. Once he gets to your chest, the rep is over. You're not beating Ike McCornu once you're in a stalemate. That's why he was so impressive with the quick passing sets and the RPO passes, looking for slants. If you can let him get out of his stance quickly, be aggressive and control you, he is phenomenal. But then if you look at the true pass sets, that's where the improvement really lies. And it's also where some of the improvement will still need to be at the next level. Like we saw with Mackay Beckton at Louisville. He only had 90 to 100 true passing sets you got a lot more out of Ika I think he gets out of his stance much better than he did in 2020. I think his, uh, his tr- ability to travel is pretty impressive. But the one weakness I saw, Scott, and it really shone in the Clemson game, which was the first uh, film that I watched from 2021, was there, a pro- there was a propensity to be beaten to the inside. Too many times he was trying to overset to compensate not being beaten to the outside shoulder. He'd turn his hips a little early and get side on. And then he'd open up the gate for pass rushes to come back on the inside. There was four or five reps against Clemson where I saw it. And there were some other games where it definitely reared its head a little bit. But if you want to talk about weaknesses, that's probably the biggest one I saw from, uh, from Ike Mekwonu. And if he can negate being beaten to the inside and he can trust his ability to travel and trust his ability to make that ground up and then be patient with his hands, I think he's going to be completely fine. I think, yes, right now he's better in the running game than as a pass protector but he can be a you know NFL-level, uh, average-level tackle in the passing game in 2022. Is that what the Jets need right now for Zach Wilson when you have Vance and Beckton? Probably not. But for a lot of offenses, that's going to be a huge upgrade. Never mind then you can look at the trajectory that he could definitely take and the steps forward he could make as
4: a pass protector. How much work do you think he needs technique-wise?
0: I don't think there's a lot of, of technique work. I think a lot of it's consistency and getting more reps i mean his hands are fantastic i think they don't need any work i think you can always get more fluent with your kick step and uh some of your footwork coming out of your stance especially in pass protection and there's little you know tendencies that some offensive coordinators and offensive line uh, coaches will will definitely want to change or you know alter a little bit but i don't look at ikan mccorno as a work in progress i don't look at him as you know a, a, a multiple piece of clay that he's got the tools but he's not really there yet i think he took steps that showed he's well on the way i think if he can just improve the consistency of his feet and really just trust them all that's what i talked about earlier it's about having faith that he can cover that ground that he can get out of his kick step uh, uh, sorry his stance with a kick step cover that ground around the corner and he doesn't need to overset he doesn't need to worry about being beaten around the outside so Um, Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. I think there's a couple of things you can tidy up, but overall, the technique is pretty good. And I think he's going to be a really safe draft pick. There aren't too many at the top of this class, but I think Ike Mekwanu has a pretty high ceiling, but also a very high floor, and it makes him an attractive player, especially for a team like the Giants, picking five and seven.
4: Luke, how does Mekwanu compare to Makai Becton and George Fent?
0: Great question. I mean, I think you were right on the money, at the start of the show, or this segment anyway, when you talked about Macai Becton probably just being a little more dynamic and a little more physical in the running game. But at the same time, a corner is going to be a high-level NFL blocker in the running game from day one. Just because he's not Makai Becton doesn't mean he's not going to be fantastic in his own rights, and I think he's going to be very, very good very early. Um, if you compare him to George Fant, because that's where, in my mind, he would play. If the Jets draft Ikem McWhorne at four, not really what I want, but if they do, he is five times a better run blocker than George Fant. It's just not the strength of George's game. He's a converted tight end. He's still relatively young to the offensive line position. And the Jets kind of struggled at times to create lanes for Michael Carter in the running game. And if you put a in, that would be a huge upgrade. But in saying that, look at the other side of the, the coin. In pass protection, George Fant was very, very good last year. Makai Becton in his rookie season, was fairly good against very, very good competition. Talking Miles Garrett, both the Bowson brothers, Melvin Ingram, he faced the gauntlet of pass rushes in 2020. So overall, I think he would be a step below them in 2022 as a pass blocker. And look, it can be dangerous looking at these picks in a vacuum and thinking, what can you do for me in 2022? Because Joe Douglas talked about the longevity of picks and the vision you need to look forward past immediate needs. But I just don't see enough of an upgrade in 2022 to warrant this, when Joe Douglas's seat will get pretty warm if they continue to lose. And the Jets clearly like George Fant enough to tell him that he has a chance to start at left tackle. If they like him that much and Joe Douglas drafted Becton, I just don't see them utilizing pick number four on Nicky McWhorne.
4: If Aquanu were to join the line, how does he fit in the system and how would he fit with the other pieces that are currently slated to start there?
0: I think he'd be a fantastic fit. Could you imagine Elijah Vera Tucker at right guard and Nickam Aquanu at right tackle in the running game? Those two would just absolutely destroy people on combo blocks. They've both got the athleticism to get to the second level on those outside zone, wide zone type running games. It would be fantastic. Uh, You could then Benefit off that with your play-action passing game, something that Mike LaFleur loves. We saw a heavy dose of it last year. So overall, I think he'd be a really good fit. And this is what I, I kind of keep coming back to is if you ignore needs and you ignore the Jets roster and you just look at fit and player and tendencies and skill sets, I think Ike McCorner and the Jets are a perfect marriage. Joe Douglas loves drafting offensive linemen. He and Sulla both think that the trenches are where you win the game of football. He's a good fit. He's a great run blocker. Everything matches up except for need and except for value. So, yeah, I think he'd be great in this game. I'm still just hoping it's not his name call. personally. From a selfish point of view, I just think that they've got bigger holes. They've got bigger needs. There are bigger and more significant ways you can improve this roster than drafting Ikemaquanu at four.
4: Luke, anything else about Aquanu that you feel is worth mentioning that we haven't gotten to yet?
0: No, I just... Another leader, another captain, another great locker room guy. Obviously, I know you've already talked about previously him getting the office from Harvard. Fantastic young man. I think that's somewhat the issues that they're having with Makai Becton. Someone in the Jets coaching staff doesn't like him. I don't get it. I think it's been kind of handled poorly. But he just seems like a Joe Douglas pick from that regard as well and in that respect. So, look, I love Ike McWhorne, and I love the film. And I think if he went to a place like Carolina – or the Giants, or Houston, or even Jacksonville, if they decided, look, we're putting Trevor Lawrence first, I would love that pick for them, based on need and based on fit. Um, so I think he's a fantastic player. And I don't want anyone thinking, I don't want him to be drafted by the Jets. It's not a criticism of Ike McQuannu, So just remember that there's a lot of different moving pieces. He's a fantastic player. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And if you haven't seen it, go over to the YouTube channel. I've already got a, a clip up of Ike McQuannu talking about his game and, and how he'd fit. So, so make sure you check that out too.
4: Indeed, there is a video up of Ikemaquanu and one of Garrett Wilson as well. All 22 breakdowns by Luke on our YouTube channel. So go to our YouTube channel, watch those videos if you haven't already, and subscribe if you haven't already because the thunder from down under Luke Grant. Play like a jet. Film Analyst for the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel has done some great work on those guys And a whole bunch of other prospects Luke, thanks so much for coming on and breaking these guys down with me Really appreciate it The draft is coming up tomorrow I can't believe it is finally going to be here In the meantime though, as we wait There's the videos that are up on our channel Including Aquanu and Wilson But so many other prospects that the Jets might draft tomorrow And perhaps Friday and Saturday as well so go over there, watch the videos, subscribe if you haven't already, and check out our store over at tpublic.com. That's TeePublic.com. That's tee Luke, talk about what's up right now on our YouTube channel and what's coming in the future, and talk about what's available at our store over at TeePublic.com.
0: Yeah, starting with the YouTube channel, Scott, there's reviews up on just about every Jets prospect you see being argued about online or in forums or anywhere where you kind of uh, connect with Jets fans. You can see uh, Jermaine Johnson and some of the deficiencies, but some of the great tendencies he has as a pass rusher. You can see two videos up on uh, Von Thibodeau looking at how dominant he can be, taking over a game versus USC, but then also looking at his entire 2021 film and some 2020 sprinkled in there as well. Uh, The wide receivers, Drake London, Trayvon Burks, Traylon Burks, sorry. Uh, We already mentioned obviously Garrett Wilson in this video. Uh, There's going to be so many things you can check out over the last two months that I've done, some of them escaping my mind. George Karloftis, anyone in the edge or wide receiver group that you're interested in, there's going to be a video. They're positions of need for the Jets. So make sure you check them out. Cross it to YouTube, play like a Jet. And then over on uh, T Public, Alex, my partner, does a fantastic job helping out with some of the designs. You can find her on IG underscore Can I Be Frank. We've got stuff from Zach Wilson. We've got the Play Like the play like a Jet logo range. We've got Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers merch. We've got it all. So make sure you check it out. Again, it's not just shirts. It's not just logos. You can put it on hats, on sweats, on stickers, laptop cases, anything you like, you can get it. So check it out at TeePublic
4: should also say check out the podcast archive for Play Like a Jet because you will find Eric at home from Yahoo coming on the show to discuss his profile that he did on Ike Mekwanu and Joey Kaufman of the Columbus Dispatch discussing the Ohio State careers of Garrett Wilson and Chris Alave. So if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, go ahead and check them out. They make great companion pieces to this episode. Also, go to our YouTube channel, watch the videos that Luke has up, the All-22 Reviews, and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, teepublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes long Way to help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital at PlayLikeAJet.com.
1: Chumba Casino. No purchase necessary. Void by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?